0: I've always been a fan of melancholy music, dark music. This is something I think I've said a couple of times, but I I love the beauty that you can find in like very difficult moments. What I've realized through my time of releasing music and with other, other projects as well, the stuff that does the best is actually just the stuff that creates the best mood. I think that's what people want now. It doesn't matter if it has like three choruses and, you know, 20 second long verses and, all of this stuff, I don't really think that stuff's so important now. I think, you know, the pop industry in general, you know, they're doing their thing, but it's, you can be successful in, as an underground artist and have so much reach and more, you just got to be authentic to who you are and what you want and and what you want to do. And people recognize that. And when you start trying to like change everything for the industry. After a while, it's only so long that it can last. It's going to start feeling shit, so people will see that.
1: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Fox Tales, the music industry podcast of Sarah Fox. This is Nasco and I'm really stoked to be your host today. If you're listening for the first time, we decided to do a podcast a little over a year ago so we can share some of our knowledge about the music world, both as a curator and a record label, and to tell stories of people we love and admire, artists, label representatives, and other industry professionals. If you've been enjoying Fox Tales, feel free to share it with your friends, save it, or rate it on a platform of a choice. You can also follow us on all socials at Stereofox and join our Discord community from the link in the description. So today's Artist Stories episode is with an artist I've been a fan of for many years, ever since his 2016 Give Back What You Stole for Me. Oscar Jerome is a UK singer, guitarist and composer who's been involved with music since a very young age. He's got a pretty signature blend of jazz and soul that you have most probably already heard in his acclaimed songs Do You Really? and Gravitate. He just released his sophomore album called The Spoon, which took a more cinematic and melancholic approach, and he stopped by for a chat to give us some details about it and to share stories about his creative process, touring with Kamazi Washington, and the Blue Note Reimagined Project. So, hi, Oscar. Welcome to Fox Tales. How have you been?
0: I've been very well, thank you. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a pretty eventful summer. Great. What did you do? What's the highlight? Highlight of my summer? Ooh. Uh... So no, I've even, it's been good to just be back out playing shows again, to be honest. Like I, I after so long, you know, I did a little tour in the UK, but to actually go around Europe and play some shows and just, that's why I do this. Like it's nice to get people reacting to all of the, you know, recordings and stuff, but I, I need that human to human interaction. So it's nice to just see people are still getting joy from my music and stuff.
1: Yeah, we'll definitely get to that. I have a lot of questions regarding you playing live. Uh, but yeah, music is uh, such a huge part of your life, man. And, uh, but I was just wondering, can you share like the most random non-music fact about you?
0: Most random? I mean, there's a lot of non-music facts
1: about me, but... Uh, Anything, really?
0: I mean, I'm into cooking. It's not that random. Most people are into cooking, really. But before this, I made a little Mackerel, kale, kind of like uh Scotch bonnet thing with eggs. I make I make extravagant breakfasts.
1: Okay. That's what I do.
0: I'm I'm known I'm known for my brunches.
1: Nice, yeah. Oh, maybe we we can get to a brunch some someday. Hopefully when we. Meet. Yeah,
0: maybe maybe we could do like a little cooking show or something.
1: That, <laughs> that would right. be lovely. Yeah, the the cooking tales, the fox foxing cook. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have to come up with a better name Awesome man um, But yeah, regarding We we uh, came together to talk about music uh, So I was just wondering Did singing or playing the guitar Come first in your life?
0: Well uh, I think for everyone Singing probably comes first Because that's just We're all born with a voice Without getting too philosophical Or pretentious When we're born Ah <laughs> We're, we're hitting high notes, but no, I I think, well, I did used to just like sing along to like cartoons and stuff. And like, I was, I used to just walk around singing the whole time when I was a kid, but in terms of like a, like actually studying, it was definitely guitar. I didn't really study like vocals or really take vocals seriously as a, I always did it. I always sang, I always wrote songs, but I didn't take it seriously as like a, uh, me being professional and studying how to use my voice until probably in the last five years, I reckon. I used to only tell people that I was a guitarist when they asked me, even though I sang songs and was touring, playing songs and stuff, I don't know. It was a mental thing.
1: So you started uh, doing this, doing both of this uh, from the beginning of your like career, so to say. I
0: started playing guitar when I was eight um, and I was always singing every time. Whenever I was playing guitar, I've, I've always been writing songs ever since, the beginning of my music time,
1: yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, so you mentioned the pandemic and uh, the like, things kind of breaking out with all the live shows and everything. Um, so the reason we we got together is your sophomore album, um, which got the spoon. Um, so I, I wanted to find out a bit more about um the pandemic, I uh, what toll it took on you, and kind of how he coped with it and um, the oh, the whole crossroad it found you at, like you speak about this uh, regarding your album.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, so with the previous album, I mean, it was already made kind of before the pandemic. We'd already basically finished it. Uh, and we'd just been on a pretty extensive tour around Europe. Then we went to Australia. I was very much in a place where I felt like yeah I can. the music is really starting to work now and I can do this as a career like that was the first time I really really felt about like I like that about my my personal my own project um and you know I'd taken a bit of a leap of faith that year I I quit playing some other bands I was in a very uh successful band Coco Rocko, uh with some of my best friends and amazing people and it was an amazing thing to be part of but I realized I didn't I just didn't have enough time to do both projects justice. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take a risk and try and follow my own thing. Then obviously the pandemic hit and I had to decide whether I wanted to hold out, wait to give people this thing, this album that I'd already started promoting or just put it out at a time when there was no way to promote it apart from online. And, you know, online is, is, is great. It's a great tool to have, but for me, yeah, I also I think my my kind of music needs you need to go. This is a place of people as well. Uh, so yeah, that was tough, but but we decided to do it. We ended up putting it out in the August, I think, which is unusual, but no one was going anywhere. Um, and you know, people seem to connect to it still. Uh, yeah, I was in that that project was very much like a, uh, like. That was a collection of a lot of moments in my life leading up to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And after that, I was kind of like, okay, it all got a bit much, especially all the stuff on the internet. So I, I was like, I need to like take a little bit of time out. And um,
1: yeah,
0: I think that yeah. was healthy too.
1: Yeah. Sounds, sounds like it. Um, on Instagram, you mentioned that uh, I and I quote uh, a lot of blood, sweat, tears, love, and laughter went into this record, so I gotta know about the blood <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: wow, that's just a that was just a turning phrase turn off phrase um blood, sweat, and tears I mean, hopefully nothing no, else. no one was no one was harmed in the making of this of making of this project, <laughs> let me tell let me just say
1: that <laughs> at did least you, not physically maybe mentally <laughs> mentally yeah um so i i would uh, i i can't help but notice that uh the there's a like a darker and like hazier sound uh the re- of the record did this reflect your inner self like you took a completely different direction which we're going to speak about but like yeah did this reflect uh, your like your pandemic self so to say
0: yeah right. i mean i've always been a fan of melancholy music dark music like i love this is something i think i've said a couple of times but i i love the beauty that you can find in like very difficult moments very like melancholy moments someone like for example someone like jeff buckley i love how he has that really like such beautiful sweet music but it's always got this undertone of something quite dark and it just kind of gives it this depth that is just, I've always been drawn to that since I was a kid. I can't explain why. I just have, maybe yeah. I'm just i I'm just an emo at heart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I used to have the fringe, the little side fringe.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah I remember, yeah. <laughs> I've seen you on the previous. to Evanescence. Oh my God, my life.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, actually,
1: but, yeah, uh, a, lo- <laughs> a lot of our team members I, like used to li- listen to that kind of music when we were younger. Yeah. So that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But
0: yeah, like now it's. It, it, so that it was also reflected the place where I was in my head at that time. Like I was, I was in a bit of. A, I was going through some. I don't want to go into too much detail, but it was, it was, mm. yeah, a, a tough time for me personally, and I was a lot of it. I wrote while I was in Berlin, uh, in the winter, and it was just <laughs> dark, cold. Like, have you been to Berlin?
1: Yeah. And that was you know, like November. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, then it's like, they have all these like tall buildings that are like,
0: that were rebuilt after the, war, after the war. And then it just means that a lot of time you won't even be able to get direct sunlight in the winter because you just got these tall walls beside you everywhere you go, unless you're like, in a, like a crossroads and you might just stand there for a bit and try and soak up a bit of sun
1: anyway yeah <laughs> yeah uh, like I, I just got this mental picture of it and um yeah. so the first single uh is sweet to isolation uh, which uh-huh. is which was honestly it completely threw me off because I didn't expect something uh, like this from you. I mean, I love your jazzy really? pieces and um this was very very like surprising, but I also, I can also share that it really suits you in a way. So kind of, it didn't feel weird. It just like wasn't expected. So um, what was the reason uh, you decided to do this first, as a first single? Um,
0: Yeah, well, I suppose I did did want to present something a bit different, like in terms of, you know, like the drums and stuff, it has a much more, like usually I have a live drummer playing on my music. And I think people have got to associate that with me because I have very drum led music. Over the last couple of years, I've been getting more into my production, uh, beat making and stuff. And this was a tune that I basically produced pretty much all myself um, with what had the help of mixing and adding like finishing touches with um, from Benny Giles. But I was like, this kind of represents a bit of a new path for me. And I just, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to sort of, in as I mean to continue I always want to grow and develop as, a, as an artist that's my plan like I don't I don't want to ever just kind of get stuck in one place and that's just what I'm like anyway I I listen to so much different so many different types of music people associate me, associate me as a like jazz artist but I don't even know what that means because I don't really think of jazz as a genre of, mu- of music it's more like it's a mentality in which you go into playing and your training in the in the history of that music. But it's always been something that draws from different places, you know, and, and it keeps up with the times. Herbie Hancock was at the forefront of hip hop. Like this this is all just like Yeah, so I think it's natural for an artist who is, you know, drawing eclectically from different things yeah. to just keep trying to trying different things.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's so amazing how much how jazz incorporates in so many genres nowadays so to say yeah. kind of like we are very into like jazz hip-hop uh and also mm. i love how it goes into soul and like obviously it can be incorporated in a lot of also electronica as well so it's i mean it's it's really really great and um there's the beautiful sax on uh, there's a beautiful sax on uh the the song uh it's just like so mesmerizing. How did you how did you get to this to including this? Uh,
0: yeah, that was um, that was Kaidi Akanibi. He's a yep. good friend of mine. I've, I've played with him before many times. Uh, I think I don't know. I've just seen him around. Like we've got a lot of mutual friends. He's just part of the same same sort of scene. Uh, but I've always loved Kaidi's music. Like yeah, so I love and his playing. Like he's He's easily, in my opinion, one of the best saxophone players in, in London, or like in the UK, in Europe, I don't know, yeah. And he's also an amazing composer and he makes his own music as well. So you got he's gonna start releasing more stuff of his own.
1: Nice. Uh, it's, yeah. it's really beautiful.
0: He, he's also just a hilarious guy as well. I like to <laughs> work with people that I get on with and, and I really, really get on with Kydy. Like He's just a real joker.
1: <laughs> nice. Um, so uh, I gotta ask uh, about the Metropole Orchestra. So you you mm-hmm. did a orchestral version of the song. Like how uh, how did you come up with this at all? Like the whole idea and how did this turn into a, like a, a version? a Whole fact. Um, they just got in contact. It was really random. Like
0: <laughs> uh, I can't remember how they messaged me it was an email or something but yeah they just they i think they booked out a load of the musicians to go on tour i think maybe and they, they they then had all this time booked with all these musicians and they were like we can't go on tour now because lockdown came back in so mm-hmm. we should just make some tracks so they just hit me up and were like we're fans of your music uh we'd love to do a version of one of your tunes and i was like great i've got a new album coming out so which let's do one of them. And I thought, I felt like this, I felt like Sweet Isolation worked well for this. Cause I'd imagined strings on it already. I had, after I've made it, I was like, damn, I really should have got some string players on this tune. And then they hit me up as, like, as if they, they <laughs> heard my, my thought. And yeah. the arranger, uh, Nicholas Yuri, Nicholas who's, he's in New York. Uh, he yeah he 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 smashed out that that arrangement in like three days or something, really really impressive. Like I was like wow. I mean these guys they're professionals aren't they? But yeah so that was an amazing experience. I've never worked with a, with an orchestra. The best thing well no, I would love to be able to do that in real life though because it was it was all done online.
1: Yeah all, I saw. Yeah. I was
0: like this in the session just chatting to these music- musicians. It was. It was very surreal. But came up, came up beautiful. So.
1: It's it's beautiful, and I also wanted to point out that it's a bit unusual, um, especially nowadays, kind of the att- the whole attention span uh, being so short that you release a track that's longer than five minutes. Um, like, is the, it was this intentional, or was it, was it just like what happened, like how we felt it? Um, you know. I make a lot of tunes
0: that are longer than five minutes. A lot of the music that I love is longer than that. And although I definitely agree with you, that it's unusual and and it's like, you know, most people want something that is short. I don't really feel like I have to play up to that. Like, Mm -hmm. so yeah, the the length of the track, it was,
1: how long was it? It's like six minutes something. 5.38. I just yeah.
0: checked. Uh, do you mean the original track or the, the uh, original
1: is 538, the Metropole Orchestra is 532, yeah. So it's, yeah. they're both like more or less the same.
0: Yeah. I'm, I mean, the thing is, the length of the track, people are always going to want that for radio. You have to do like a radio edit or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I've come to realize that actually quite a lot of stuff that I've recorded, uh, that I've released, often I get, I get, uh, pushed to like make an edit of the track and then people people are like oh yeah we need a short version of the track so it can get on this playlist and blah 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 and i've noticed over time the longer versions of the tracks just become more popular and i think when people come to an artist like me to hear stuff they're not really bothered about that you know you can always just skip it if you want but like i think people what I've realized through my time of releasing music, especially and with other other projects as well, the stuff that does the the best is actually just the stuff that creates the best mood. I think that's what people want now. I mean, people have always wanted that, but I think there's this real th- thing like people want to like have a mood created for them. It doesn't matter if it has like three choruses and you know twenty second long verses and all of this stuff. I don't really think that stuff's so important now. I think. You know, the pop industry in general, you know, they're doing their thing, but it's Mm -hmm. you can be successful in, as an underground artist and have so much reach and more, you just got to be authentic to who you are and what you want and and what you want to do. And people recognize that. And when you start trying to like change everything for the industry, I mean, after a while, there's only so long that can last, you're just going to start feeling shit. So and people will see that
1: sorry excuse my french no that's fine um like just from a perspective of of a listener and a fan uh, i think what this gives you is uh, a whole journey it's not just like you go in there you you hear like a couple of verses and and then you're you're gone right so it's like a whole it's a whole trip it's a whole experience so yeah i i definitely think it's not a downside it's just uh, I, I was curious to hear your uh, your reasoning for this. Uh, so I I definitely yeah. think being o- authentic to what you do is like it's very important nowadays. With mm. like this whole like we've spoken to a lot of artists before uh, about this, but there's like so much, um like there's so much music every day. Sixty thousand tracks on Spotify each day. So like the way mm. you stand up is just being you. Like even though yeah. it sounds like a bit of a cliche.
0: It's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like, there's many people that are just trying to imitate stuff that's already happening, you know. And, and and you know, if that's what makes you happy, also that's fair enough. But like, I don't get joy from that. I I, I always want to. I mean, it, I don't even. It is. It's just natural to just try and just to just make stuff that just feels like me. In you, uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. But there's a, this saying I love is that if you follow a trend, you're already late.
0: So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: kind of. I mean, there's no like formula or anything to set a trend, but yeah, if you start following, it's just like you're already behind. So it's so
0: true, and that's exactly what I'm saying about the industry in general. Especially all these people in labels and stuff, they try and pressure artists to like, you know, you got to follow this TikTok trend or, I know, release something like this. Call your next project a mixtape because this person did it and it's like you don't these people who are asking us to do this they're just completely basing everything that they know off what they've already seen and it's like that was popular because it was an innovation but then now it's like yeah we're not writing emails we're not solving little puzzles it's creativity it's it comes from somewhere out there in the sky and you can't, you can't just put it in a little box.
1: I, I couldn't agree, Moran. <laughs> so uh, going back to the album, uh, Berlin One is the name of the second single, and it definitely has more of a, your like signature groove that, that what we're uh, more used to uh, hearing from you. Mm-hmm. So can you say what the song is about and like, why the one uh, at the end? That was a really interesting touch uh
0: yeah so berlin one as you can tell probably i wrote it in berlin (laughs) the title is actually just it was the first tune i wrote when i was in berlin and i didn't have a name for it so i just called it berlin one and then (laughs) that was just the title of the project i was i was producing so there's no there's no deep meaning behind that really it was just it just stuck i was like the one it feels quite like you know things in germany are quite like formulaic and quite like i don't know it kind of just fit it fit that for me but <clears throat> yeah the song i mean it's kind of uh in short it's kind of like a breakup song but it's it's not really it's more like it's like realizing that you've always been seeing your self image through the eyes of someone else, like through someone that you love, or basically that in this context, I'm saying in a woman's eyes, it's like someone that I was a woman that I was romantically involved with, but it's generally, it's supposed to be a kind of more broader, uh, concept than that. Just like creating your, not creating your own self image. And the journey of the track, it kind of goes from like, my voice is quite more, like more soft and like reflective. And then as, it, as the track goes on, my voice gets a bit more like frantic and to the end that I'm like, ah! And that's it's supposed to be like, that's the journey down into madness that you will take if you don't take the time to really know yourself and work out who you are Work out how to make your own decisions and your your own opinions. Based, don't base your your opinions on just what other only what other people tell you. Take in what people say and their experiences for sure. That's the, how you learn, but you have to also work things out for yourself and form your own opinions.
1: That's a beautiful, beautiful message. I definitely agree. Um, so the there's a music video uh, to there's also. Uh, a music video for Sweet Isola- Isolation, which is beautiful, but uh, the, the Berlin One video is really wild. <laughs> so there's uh-huh. again, this contrast uh, between uh, both songs. Uh, so what's the story behind it? Like uh, how I was filming it? So so we kind of explain what <laughs> the listeners should expect when watching it.
0: I've liked the reaction that I've got from people for this because <laughs> this is what I wanted. I wanted to like mess with people a bit and give people something that they wouldn't expect. Uh, firstly I have to give a big shout out to my friends Antoine Thomas Sturge uh who directed and shot the video he's also been like a movement coach for me over the past couple of years and a very very good friend uh he has been incredibly important for like improving my my general confidence I think especially in myself and like just in my body and stuff uh and then also my friend uh, Malcolm Yang who was on art direction he's, he's doing art direction for the whole project uh he was also there shooting the video with us and he's also doing styling and he's also really pushed me to kind of explore a lot of things about myself like i i've always liked to play characters like whenever i've if if anyone who's like a good friend of mine knows that i i always talk in weird voices and like i like doing accents and like just putting on these characters i have certain friends that will just talk to each other like that all the time and uh that's something that I've been kind of (laughs) encouraged to explore a bit more by certain people which is be nice because you know we can do this this whole thing with Instagram and whatever like oh look at me I'm so cool like I'm so sexy I'm doing my music yeah 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 blah 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 like it's cool if that's what you want to do great and you know I, I play into that a bit but I find it boring like I'm just I just want to kind of make it a bit more light-hearted like the music that I make like you say on this project is quite heavy a lot of it it's quite intense and it came from a place where I was I was pretty low I can't lie I was in a bad place at the beginning of this project and I'm not there anymore I'm way better I'm like but I also want to be able to express some of this stuff and sometimes I feel like you can express a lot of dark and difficult things through humor the best, I think. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes when things are shit, all you can do is laugh. Like, <laughs> and, and also, you know, I'm doing this to create, to bring some sort of joy into people's life. I'm not just trying to like, just make people depressed as well, you know. I don't, I enjoy comedy and yeah. It's and surrealism like, as well. I love Frank Zappa. Frank Zappa has been a massive influence to me. My dad loves Frank Zappa. And he's always someone that's like, I've, he showed me that the two sides of humor and very uh, deep and meaningful art. And he's always had those two sides like, yeah, playing off each other. And that's beautiful.
1: It's it's very interesting. Um, so there are two characters that you uh, kind of, as you mentioned, uh, you kind of inhabit uh, two different personas in the album. They're called Jerry and Ice Gicycle. So can you do uh, the quick profiles of, of them both? And would you say they represent your light and dark side or is it way more complex?
0: Uh, yeah, definitely more complicated than that. But at the same time, uh, yeah, so Ice Gicycle, he is a kind of, he's more of like an imaginary person, like, because he's kind of split, he's split in two. And he's supposed to, he's kind of supposed to represent being in a place of of transformation or like on a journey to a different place. And that, that could be in any, in any, uh, in any way. And I, like a, a journey to, uh, A more comfortable accepting place Uh, and you know in in that video he exists in a kind of a dark like alien landscape that's um where he's kind of like searching um that was shot in iceland and i i like him because you know i i like to also i like to present myself in different ways and i think i'm being able to explore that a bit more with this project sometimes dressing more like androgynous, I suppose, uh, and more or like, yeah, just like as a different character or just playing around with that more. And my brother has actually been a really, um, real help with that, incredibly, uh, influential with that. Cause, uh, my, my brother Alfie Lawrence, uh, also known as Moth, who's an amazing drag performer. Uh, he has really, really influenced me in terms of just because then i'm i know lots of his friends and stuff are all doing like performing drag and it's just i find it amazing because it's just people are just just it's just pure expression without any sort of uh i don't know this outside bullshit that we've like let pile up on us about like how you're supposed to present yourself or whatever like it's just like pure expression and I find that beautiful and just I think I used to care about what people think about me more but now I'm like I'm just gonna do what I like and this is beautiful so yeah everyone has different sides of themselves and but some people will never let that out because they don't feel like they're allowed to feel like they're gonna get backlash but if you do anything with confidence people will respect that and the people don't probably just don't respect themselves
1: that's true what about jerry
0: sorry i'm rambling so much <laughs> no that's no, fine man it's very
1: interesting actually
0: uh jerry jerry is an insecure banker slash kind of new jersey kind of i don't want to say gangster because i'm not like <laughs> i'm not trying to i don't know but he kind of he's got that kind of vibe about him like I, I watch the the Sopranos a lot. I love I love the guys on that. Like, I love the characters on that. Like,
1: there's certainly a Sopranos vibe, yeah.
0: Yeah, I love that thing of like it's it's very humorous, but it's also it's also got that dark that dark thing to to it as well. Um, but this guy, he's supposed to be. He represents a kind of a more toxic masculine kind of vibe where he's like uh, trying to. Uh, he's also kind of searching. That's that's a theme throughout this project. There's a lot of searching, especially at the beginning of the project. Uh, and he's on this journey to madness, like, uh, and he's very delusional as well. But you know, you see it like, you see it everywhere. Like it's so funny, the more you start thinking about it. I mean, I know for for a lot of women, this is just obvious stuff they deal with every day. And then for a lot of men, you kind of get to a point where you're like, oh, wow, most men are actually so, so confused. <laughs> it was like last night, I was, I was at Carnival, uh, Notting Hill Carnival, and I was, uh, I was just sitting next to my friend on a wall, um, and she's very, she's very beautiful. My friend just, no, this guy just comes up and is like, hey, trying to chat to her, I was like it up in her face, and she's like can you go away and he's like he got he took it so to heart it really really damaged his his ego and he was like then he started like being like well you know i know i know i'm a beautiful man and i got this and he pulls out his car keys and he's like showing us that he's got like a mclaren <laughs> and stuff and i was like bro like <laughs> just leave it <laughs> don't force it you're making a fool of yourself <laughs> but it was just so funny it's like wow this is not gonna help you in life being this insecure. Anyway. Yeah. But anyway, so in 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 the in the video, uh he's like a super agitated, angry man, but he's also kind of got this humorous, kind of likable side to him as well, Jerry, which I like. I like that. I like that how you get that in like a lot of characters, like I know, like in what's his name? Larry David and Kirby Enthusiasm. He's one of those people that you hate. Because he's an asshole, but he you also love him and you want him to do well, and that's what I'm trying to that's what I was trying to get with Jerry. <laughs>
1: yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. I just want to say that, uh, but as you mentioned, this like um, this negative character that you actually feel for is. Um, uh, I recently watched uh, the Office for the first time, and Michael Scott is definitely oh, yeah. such has such vibe. Like he's ridiculous, mm. but like deep down, not a bad guy. He's just like. Very confused, as you said.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like that's just that's just something. It's generally in life, like people. I know we're in we live in a time where people are really on this like cancel culture, which I think in certain in certain uh, contexts it really puts power back in the people that that need it. I don't know, you know, for people that are abusive or whatever. Like, yeah, it's it. If if the justice system is not doing the right thing, people have to take it into their own hands. <clears throat> and that and I respect that. Uh but then also also I feel like we're in a place where like people can do anything and just get jumped on and be like, You're cancelled, you're never you're never gonna work again, you're never gonna be in the public eye ever again. And then, you know, we don't we don't leave a space for people to actually learn and actually try and do better because basically everyone you know there are people that are just downright evil but there's a lot of people that are just they don't understand stuff because they haven't been in a position to 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 learn that and it's all a reflection of their their life experience and whatever shit they've been through as a kid and in some ways it's important to like yeah give people provide a space for people to also learn as well
1: and making mistakes is like a natural thing so yeah i mean obviously you should not be like it shouldn't be the end of the world if you make a mistake i mean obviously it depends but i definitely agree mm. i definitely agree um <laughs> i love how we're drifting off it's really interesting i uh, just want to get back to the album again um yep. so the title track uh the spoon is uh, really beautiful and intimate so it's nothing like the two tracks that we've uh, discussed so far I know it's based on a poem that you wrote uh, back in Berlin. Uh, So could you elaborate more on that? And uh, why is this the uh, title track of the record?
0: Um, I think this tune, it really, it captured the mood that I was in when I was first making this record. And I, and yeah, like this track kind of came about when I was, so I was writing poetry, and I was in—I was having a jam with my friend Ziggy Zeitgeist, amazing drummer from Melbourne, who lives in Berlin. We were just uh, playing the tu- we were just playing, and um, yeah, this kind of just came out. Like I started doing this thing with the guitar effects and that, and then yeah, this this, this it's about like seeing, basically like looking in a spoon and seeing a warped reflection. Uh But that is, like, that's a metaphor for, you know, whenever you look in the spoon, you're never, it's never going to go back to normal. And it's kind of this idea you're trying to, like, grab onto and hold onto something in your past, but it, it is, it's changed. And to you, that looks ugly, but actually, it's not necessarily ugly, it's just different. Um and yeah, it, that's a kind of a basic way of about, without going into too much. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> too much. Um, and why why did you name the, like the album, uh The Spoon? Like it should kind of enwrap the whole, the whole feeling. Like you said, you started with kind of this
0: feeling. Yeah. So, I mean the project, you kind of go on a bit of a journey, like you start in this more like dark reflective, and it kind of goes into a place of a bit more like kind of anger and frantic kind of, and then it goes into a place that's a bit more calm and and yeah, reflective, but with a with a new perspective, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what the spoon is kind of supposed to represent. Like you're looking at you're looking back at yourself, but you're changed, and that is that's okay. And like, that's, that's just, that's how it is. And you learn to, you learn to move forward with that basically.
1: Beautiful. Um, You mentioned uh poetry and I had a chat with Carmody recently for another episode of Fox Tales. And we spoke a lot about poetry. So I wanted to ask uh, what role does poetry play in your life? You said I like, could wrote a poem in Berlin on this, that you based this song on.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, I love poetry, but I'm, I'm not like, hugely well read in poetry, I would say. I'm, I'm like, yeah, I like, there's certain poets which I really love, like James Bolden. I've read a lot of his poetry. Uh, yeah, there's a, a lot of the poets that I love also make stuff for, for music. I don't know, I, like, I love like, like Gil Scott Heron's poetry as well. But then I love like, a lot of the imagery that I use is kind of influenced by more old school people like Keats and stuff like that. I'm not actually such a fan of Keats's poems as a whole, but I love the imagery that he uses, the, the use of natural imagery. And I'm also a fan of like kind of more old folk songs, like old British folk songs and stuff like that, that it's always this kind of like storytelling element to it. And you get it with a lot of Irish folk music as well. Uh, that's a big influence to me as well.
1: Um so uh do you write a lot? Mm.
0: Do I write a lot? I mean yeah, I go through okay. periods. Right now I haven't been writing so much. I've been doing a lot of reading. Reading quite a lot about uh some actually beautiful poetry. Like yeah, some more like Sufi Sufi poetry stuff to do with like Rumi Shems of Tabriz. And uh yeah. Uh I think I go through periods of like trying to learn about stuff and then Periods of kind of like reflecting on it and it comes out in different ways um but yeah like like that period when i was in berlin i was writing a lot and, but it wasn't really for any particular purpose i was i was reading a lot as well but right now yeah i'm just in a space of trying to like learn more basically
1: um i there's something i noticed uh about your instagram feed and like when i was scrolling back just to get some context I noticed there's nothing before Sweet Isolation which is like the first announcement of uh of the album. So, does this album feel like a new beginning of sorts?
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean I just wanted to sort of I was coming in with a new with a new kind of visual identity behind what I was doing and just a new Yeah, I just wanted to start fresh really, I think. As much as it's great like that is that is one of the best things about social media you have this like archive of what's happened in your life and whatever to an extent uh i kind of just wanted yeah i just wanted to start afresh and be like this is who i am now i think i've changed a lot over the last couple years so yeah
1: that's really nice yeah this is just something really interesting i i don't see often um we, we spoke about this a bit earlier, about toxic masculinity, uh, but I uh, wanted to find out a bit more. And uh, you say that uh, some key points of your music are also uh, breaking down gender roles. So uh, can you elaborate a bit mo- more on this? You, you mentioned your brother. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say, you know, there are, there are things in my music which I mention about stuff to do with... The ego and stuff like that, which is something that everyone struggles with, no matter their gender. Like the ego is just the constant thing that people are trying to trying to battle with and control. And yeah, um, but in terms of like what you're saying about like masculinity and stuff,
1: yeah, Looks I wouldn't like masculine, especially.
0: Yeah, um, I think that's like a story I'm trying to tell with some of these characters, for sure. Um. Uh, and it was something that we're presenting through the visuals, but I also, you know, I like the thing of, you know, it's important to to back people in what they, and and use use your platform to elevate people's voices, and like there's there's a lot of people that could probably talk about this stuff better than me, but I also, you know, I like to sort of I think it's good to just sort of lead by example as well, you know, if I'm like presenting certain things through. The visuals through the art and people see that like I hope that will some way kind of be absorbed by them and like they'll go go away and reflect on it. Uh, I've been thinking about this more about the whole thing of like you know being on the soapbox kind of shouting about your views about stuff online and like how, how useful and how uh, effective that is. Um, you know, as a musician, I think we definitely have a responsibility. We, we're given a platform. We have a we have a place to sort sort of have an influence. And I think I've been put in many positions in my life where I've perhaps been able to experience different different things. Like you know, you get welcomed into different spaces when as an artist because you come with something to offer. And I think in that sense, I can sort of have a unique uh perspective on certain things which i think is yeah so i I wanted to try and like you know uh put that across and help some people but at the same time uh i think this whole thing of being online on or like and it's limited and i think it's important to like actually just do stuff in your day-to-day affect things like trying to have an effect in your local community and like things that are directly in, in front of you uh and because as an artist, people are also coming to you for a place for release, you know, a place for, to get away from the sh- all the crap that's going on in the world around them. And I think it's important to get a balance so you don't become like a bad news channel. Mm-hmm. You also, you want to, you're coming, you're coming as a place where people get joy, but it's, it's important to create that, you know, in a in a way where everyone feels like it's for them and that and that the people aren't excluded as well. I think that's super important, so.
1: Great. Um, there's something else I wanted to go back. Uh, you mentioned the emo, uh, the emo uh, period, so to say. There's a fun fact that where you mentioned somewhere that uh, you, you used to listen to a lot of heavier mes- music and especially Rage Against the Machine. So mm. there, there's this song, Feed the Pigs, that there's a, there's some sort of kind of a more heavier touch to it. So uh, And uh, fun fact that, as I said, is that a lot of uh, our team members kind of uh, connect to this music, but we almost no longer listen to it, but in Mm. a way it's like part of our life. So I wanted to find out uh, if you, do you think there's some sort of like, um, some sort of uh, connection between those genres and what you create right now, like jazz, for example, as well?
0: uh definitely a connection for sure like you know rock music that that stuff comes kind of from rock music well rage against the machine is like rock and rap and like metal and funk and yeah it's all kind of hip-hop and stuff uh which is all kind of stems from the same source of like it's like in a black american music basically like the blues and rock comes from the blues you know jazz and hip-hop does as well so i think it all has a similar root and it's interesting because you know you see like actually when you think about it loads of big hip-hop artists were making like rock influenced and metal influenced music like uh Bey, Bey, uh like cypress hill like Talib Kweli like all of these people like they were all exploring this and it was like a it's always been yeah um but for me yeah that was that was super influential like Rage Against the Machine definitely influenced me and it, it, with a more especially like thinking about like radical politics and stuff like that was something that really captured me at that time I was just like wow this is hearing these stories of like the Zapatistas or like you know the Cuban revolution and stuff when I was like 13 I was like wow this is like this is this is powerful powerful music so it influenced the way I think a lot as well
1: I mean they're awesome I I'm also really connected to to this certain sort of music I I listen to a lot more jazz so and hip-hop nowadays but I, I definitely go back to this and I think there's yeah. some sort of the way people rebel, uh, in this sort of music, mm-hmm. like the, the rebellion in this sort of music is, is amazing. It's always been a, yeah. like a really dear to my heart. So we I need that more as well. We need now. That, yeah. Like you we you need see, that.
0: people are just so like, people are so, they're so complacent by having this instant feeling of gratif- gratification on their phone all the time. And it's getting to a point that it's like, you want to you want to get people to feel really really strong emotion and like actually let it out and i feel like people need a bit of a slap in the face to actually wake them up to do that and i feel like this really really heavy music can can do that uh yeah so about but for me like i've also think i've just i've just started exploring it i've got i used to have rock bands when i was a kid like when i was i always loved hip hop and jazz and funk and whatever but when i was a teenager i wanted to rock out and yeah. i and I that's a big part of who I am but I think I kind of suppressed that for a bit because I was like oh I'm making jazz and like that's not very cool and blah blah, blah. but now I'm like no that's part of who I am and there's certain people around me that have been doing that more as well like for example my friend uh Wulu I don't know if you know him nope. he's an amazing artist check him out WU-LU it's very it's very like it's kind of like heavy sort of grungy kind of punky music but it's like he's also super influenced by like hip-hop and uh sound system culture in the uk and all sorts of stuff uh and seeing people like him around me like really really just doing that without uh uh and that's something i always shared with him that we were into that kind of music i would always be the ones ending up in the mosh pit and stuff and i was like yeah like, <laughs> this has always been part of what i do and always been an element of my music and i shouldn't be scared to just like kind of enjoy that more
1: yeah and incorporate it in a way as well i like I, I love this like wild parts of your songs they're they're just like a whole kind of erupting uh like a kind of, kind mm-hmm. of climax of the whole journey as i mentioned um we already spoke a bit uh, about life performing uh how would you compare this to working in a in a studio like i know you you like to connect with people and they play live and that's a big thing, but would you, like how would you compare it to just like working on your music on your own?
0: I mean, it's a completely different experience. Like I love both and I, I am enjoying spending more time in the studio now, just kind of getting really into that. I like for the last couple of years I was doing that so much and it was it was really, you know, I learned a lot more skills and, but at some point I was like, okay, I need this release, I need... And then going back on stage for the first time, I think it was this show in Peckham at Gala Festival, summer before last, I think, I think it was. That was just, I was like, wow, this is, felt incredible. And I think I've realised, yeah, I just need a balance. Because before the pandemic, I was tired. I was doing too much touring and it, and it was reaching a point where I wasn't enjoying it so much because, yeah yes so for me i need to keep a balance of the two um but you know you can get more reflective and more like kind of into the tiny details of the music when you're when you're working in
1: the studio which i love as well uh but fine craft yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i would love to see you live someday honestly at, yeah where, where are you by the way i'm in sofia bulgaria I-
0: ah okay it's
1: nice. like a, a big part of the team is here but uh we're also we have uh, some people in berlin we have some people in south africa we have uh, some people in the netherlands so it's like we're all over the place really yeah, no nice. in uk though but i uh, yeah, hope to be yeah. able to well, catch I hope, you somewhere. i hope
0: to yeah hopefully i'll play in sofia one day
1: yeah that hope would so. be amazing we're actually getting um this year, we're getting some amazing acts. We're getting Jordan Raquet and then Moonchild and mm-hmm. Odyssey as well. So I uh, yeah, hope nice. to see them all, yeah. Yeah, It's we have we had this uh, kind of a dry, <laughs> dry spell of uh, life acts and and we never get so many of those more like, so to say, underground acts. So mm-hmm. um, I'm happy things are kind of turning around. So yeah, uh, hopefully we'll be able to see you one day. Who knows? I
0: mean... Yeah, I'll try my best. I'll try my best to get there for sure.
1: Yeah, that would be lovely. Um so you did a lot of touring and I wanted to ask you about about your experience. So how was uh, where, uh touring with uh, Kamasi Washington?
0: Uh that was really fun. Yeah. That was it was just like a week around um the UK. Uh yeah, those guys have just they've done touring. Like they know they <laughs> they know the ropes. So you know, it was it was nice to sort of spend people spend time with people that have you know they they've really really done that a lot and they're very experienced and they're great they're incredible musicians from a very different uh i mean the, the music that we're playing is in some ways very connected but also have come up through a very different tradition so yeah they're lovely especially ryan uh the trombone players really really got on with him uh you know i don't know how they do it personally i i don't think i could spend that much time in a tour bus with that many people as well. It's a lot of people to kind of to keep track of and to keep happy and, uh, but you know, those guys are really, they're working hard and I respect
1: it. I can imagine. And uh, if, you, if you had to choose uh, someone to, like a dream uh, person to play on stage with, who would it be?
0: Do they have to be alive?
1: Um, no. And also collaborator, since I was going to ask this as well. Like it can be collaborator or um or uh, live stage.
0: I would love to collaborate with Joni Mitchell. That would be amazing. Cause she's just one of my favorite songwriters and I feel like Yeah, we could make something that was quite like a nice melding of our two styles. Uh like I love that her, her Jira album when she's working with Pat mathenian Uh, Jacob Astorius, like that, that is, I love that, the fusion of her folky kind of storytelling with that. It's amazing. That's been super influential to me. Um, Who else? I'd love to work with, it's a weird one because there's people that you're heroes, but you don't necessarily think that it would work that well. Like someone Mm -hmm. like George Benson, I love him, but I don't think that we would make music together that well. Uh, The same for maybe for like Jimi Hendrix. I I would love to work, I would love to play music with Jimi Hendrix. I'd love to meet Jimi Hendrix. I don't know if we'd make a good record or not. I think we would, I think we would,
1: yeah. I think you would, yeah. <laughs> Feels like <laughs> it. Uh, all right, um, so speaking of uh, great musicians, uh, there's this amazing project that uh, I recently found out about which is called Blue Note Reimagined. So there's uh-huh. like the second, um, edition of it is coming to live relatively soon uh hopefully yep. this autumn so you're part of it so can you tell us a bit more about it
0: yeah so the track actually came out on friday
1: oh, okay, uh, okay. i yeah, i missed it yeah
0: <laughs> go check also it out with yeah. oscar. So the album with oscar Well Peace. yeah
1: yeah oh, okay i didn't know yeah I honestly didn't know it was part of this project yeah my bad yeah i, I better saw it yeah
0: uh yeah yeah, so, Luno obviously legendary label. So much music that I love has come from that that label, and um, yeah, it's cool to be to be asked to be part of that. I think, yeah. So what I did was a version of a song by Grant Green, who's one of my favourite guitarists, uh, really one of my heroes, and I wanted to do something completely different because I think. Yeah, like I I'm I'm always just trying to do different things and I wanted I don't want I thought the obvious thing to do would be like to get a band and do a kind of like jazzy funky kind of thing. But I was like, no, I'm gonna produce a beat for this and get a rapper on it and make it Yeah, so we did something that it just worked out really well. Like uh Oscar Well Peace is someone that I've been listening to for a very long time. He's he's the rapper that features on the yeah. track. Um I'm really into his music. His album, uh, his first album that came out, um, Sporadic, that was, came out in twenty twenty, I think. I listened to it so much that summer. Um, and I was actually on a plane to New York in February and I they had Wi-Fi on the plane, so yeah, anyway, I saw they followed me on Instagram and I was like, Oh, that's cool. Well, peace followed me. Wow. That's cool. And I thought I messaged him, was just like, Oh, I just want to say thanks for your music, like I'm a massive fan. He was like, "Oh wow! I didn't even know you like you knew my music." So we obviously we realised that we were both very appreciative of each other's art. So I was like, I had this thing that I was working on. I was like, I'm just going to ask him, send it to him, see what he thinks. And he got back straight away. He was like, "Yeah, this is this is sick. I'm I'm down." So yeah, it's uh, yeah,
1: two Oscars stuff. better than one. <laughs> I was going to say Oscar squared, for sure. <laughs> Uh, i i honestly can't hear i can't wait to hear the whole the full thing i know some of the songs are already out but uh yeah there's some uh, great artists there a lot of my friends are on that project um so. yeah it's a beautiful yeah. initiative yeah i love the first one i love the first yeah like jordan rocke's wind parade is uh, certainly one of the uh one of the most beautiful songs i've, I've heard yeah. uh, recently so yeah so yeah speaking to jazz i uh and the uh more, probably, my most favorite song of yours is "Gravitate." I've listened to it so much, and, and mm-hmm. it's it's great to be able to speak about it. Especially, I love the live version. Honestly, like there's some sort of like kind of a touch that I love about it. Um, so how did this like happen? The whole the whole track. Like, tell me mm. everything. <laughs> everything.
0: Yeah, that tune actually was originally supposed to be a way more electronic tune. Um, the drum beat with the original idea of the drum beat was written by my friend called ben hawk who i've also recent kind of recently put out a tune uh no need um yeah so we were working on that and then i started messing around with it with uh ayo who's a ayo salah who's a drummer that i play with a lot uh and he he loved the drum beat and he loves like a challenge to just sort of try and play like a complicated electronic drum beat and interpret that on the drums and he's just got an amazing mind like he can just sort of just like yeah really good at just working out how to do the whole yeah hand-eye coordination and make it so awful anyway so we were playing it a lot and i was like you know what this sounds better live like this actually sounds so sick with him on the drums so yeah we just started practicing it and with the band and then yeah like it was just, yeah. I I messaged Ben was like, bro, I think I need to do it like this, like, and he was like, yeah, cool. He's 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 all about doing it for, for the sake of the art. So yeah, uh, yeah, it worked out. It worked out pretty good. It's pretty uh, catchy. Yeah, <laughs> pretty catchy. One of those ones that just sort of happened, kind of naturally, just over time. I had a little journey and then ended up where it was.
1: Yeah, I'm loving it, man. Yeah, honestly, it's great. So it is part of your uh, debut album called uh, Breathe Deep. So how does this album look from today's perspective? Uh, You know, I still like it. There's still a lot of music
0: that I I appreciate on that. It definitely feels like it was just like a statement. Like I wanted to be like, this is me. This is where I am. It was a presentation of a lot of things that I'd done prior to that. Uh, But also... Uh, for me i'm in a different place now a lot of, with a lot of that especially like in terms of the songwriting and stuff like i feel like i'm trying to like i don't know yeah just trying to present my stuff a bit differently um and just yeah but i mean i'm still proud of it you know there was a point where i couldn't listen to any of the music on that album i was <laughs> just like i've heard this too much yeah. i hate it but that just happens that happens with everything you make you take a little step back and then you're like oh yeah yeah I made this because I like it. It's actually good. Um, yeah, but kind of. for me, a lot of the music that I write as well, I think is written with the purpose of like, to live on a life, to play live. Like these songs slowly develop over time. And like now when we play them live, Gravitate for example, I do different things. Like I play different melodies on it and like the solo section might break down. We'll go into like a bass solo or like go into a little kind of like high life guitar bit or whatever, like. I like how the songs evolve. They mm. always continue their life. That is cap- that's captured it at a moment in time. But the songs
1: are always evolving for me. So yeah. That's pretty dope. Yeah. Again, again, we would love to catch this song live someday, but hopefully we we'll do. Um so to kind of wrap this up, um a lot of our listeners are emerging artists. So mm-hmm. I, I I wanted to ask you, if you could give them one piece of advice, what would it be?
0: I mean it sounds obvious and we kind of already touched on it but stay authentic to yourself do what it is that you love don't get too caught up in this whole you know trying to present yourself in the ways that other people do like just be authentic that's what people that's what people want at the end of the day and that's what we need in this 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 world that we find ourselves in now we need uh We need authentic, truthful art that is made with a purpose.
1: Beautiful words, man. Thanks. Oscar, it's been such a pleasure talking to you, man. Uh, Really interesting. Hopefully you enjoyed it as well. Yeah. Uh, And uh, yeah, uh, can't wait for uh, some new music. The, the album, the spoon is out already. So (laughs) yeah definitely definitely check it out um yeah great have a great day and i <laughs> had talk to you soon hopefully all. Nice catch you in a bit thank you bye man thanks for listening everyone hope you enjoyed our conversation with oscar you can follow him on Instagram at Oscar Jerome and us at We're Feel free to drop us a line on socials and to rate the podcast and share it with friends. Have a great day.